Hi everyone and welcome to Happy Hour at Bland. I'm Ashley Polstaway. And I'm Kaylee Roskowski. And today we are going to dive into our first F word episode of 2021. Yeah. All right. Well, before we dive into the story, I wanted to ask you a couple questions, kind of like we used to do. Yes. Go ahead. And I didn't share (laughs) these with you before on purpose. So have you ever really stuck to a New Year's resolution? No. No. I mean, I set them every year. But this year's a little bit different. I feel like Like everything on social media, Instagram, everything, you see people having their word for the year. Mm -hmm. Do you have a word for this year? I don't, but I did see people doing that. Simplicity is some people's or like, um, I I can't even think about it. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I've seen people do that. And and maybe it's easier in the sense that you don't have like 10 resolutions you're working on, but you just have one word. Right. So like declutter, like decluttering your emails, your life, your house, Mm -hmm. your office, your car, you know, like that's an easy one, but... I've never really thought about either, so I don't really have one either. Yeah, you, I feel but. like I'm I'm cutting myself some slack after 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's just keep expectations baseline. No I did I did to. make one though. Did you? Yeah. Let's so Dustin it. and I did one together. So we, well, we copied my friend. My friend did this like three years ago. But every they did a date night every month, and every month they did that date night, they'd try a new restaurant. Oh, like, somewhere else. that's so fun. So I think Dustin and I are gonna do the whole like. He's in charge of these months. He's in charge. Like, I can't judge. Like, if he wants to go to the shooting range oh, no. and do dinner, we're going to yeah. do that. And if I want to go watch ballet, we're going to go watch. You know, like, we're not going like, to just, he's planning it. I'm planning it. We'll see what happens. And Aww. Yeah. So in two weeks, we'll be on our first one. I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah. You'll have to keep <laughs> us posted. I will. I will. Aw. Very cool. All right. So, Ashley, are you ready? I'm ready. To hear the story. Yes. I haven't given Ashley any heads up on what we're talking about. All she knew is that it would be an F word episode. And so this one I think will be kind of cool. The fraudster that we're going to talk about today, I actually heard him give a presentation in person. Oh, cool. Yeah. At the UNO accounting speaker series this past fall. Oh, neat. Yeah. So it was very interesting to hear the story from the fraudster themselves. Wait, the fraudster isn't like he was the fraud person? Yes. And what? he shared his story. Oh, this is yes. awesome. Yes, okay. yes. And, you know, UNO, every year at their accounting speaker series that they do in September, mm-hmm. um, October, they try to offer an ethics session for CPAs. You have to have several hours of ethics education. Mm-hmm. And so they alternate between a fraudster or a whistleblower. Oh, my goodness. Or someone that has some connection to ethics. And so they always manage to capture very interesting speakers every year. Okay. So this last fall was Nathan Mueller. And he, um, like I said, he was the fraudster. And I feel bad even calling them that because when you hear them share their story themselves, mm-hmm. you're like, he's a, he's a nice, normal yeah. guy. But it goes to show you, like, anyone is capable right. of doing this. Right, mask on. Yep. So, as I mentioned, today we're going to talk about Nathan Mueller. And the information I gathered for today came from hearing it firsthand myself, okay. but also then a Journal of Accountancy article where um, Nathan actually provided his testimony to the author, Mark Negrini. And so the article is called $8 million fraud. And if you're interested, I recommend going out to the Journal of Accountancy okay. article. It has a lot more information. Is it free for everyone that's not a member? Yep, you okay. can just Google it and it just okay. comes right up. You know, okay. what? we'll put it in our show notes oh, if perfect. people want yep. to pull it up. Okay, so to start. Nathan Mueller was raised in South Central Minnesota. Like I said, nice guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in high school, his friends said he played sports and was popular and performed on school. 
And Nathan and I actually have something in common. (laughs) When I saw this, I about lost it. So one of his friends said that he likes to play a rap. He liked to play rap music pretty loud in his car whenever he could. (laughs) And I felt that in my soul. If you know Kaylee, you know this is accurate. 100%. Who I've been (laughs) since high school also. So I was just laughing that that was a quote that was included. So then the article mentions that that same friend recalls that Nathan's family didn't have a lot of money growing up and that he seemed somewhat bothered Mm -hmm. by it, but you know, that was just what his circumstances were. So after graduating high school, Nathan attended college and graduated with his degree in accounting and he obtained a job with Reliastar, which was a life insurance company. Reliastar was then acquired by ING which is a big multinational okay. company. And so he then became an employee of ING. And because of the acquisition, a team was established to help transition the Reliastar team to the ING system. And that system was called an enterprise resource planning system. That's what those systems are called. And so Nathan was a part of that team. And he then was given the opportunity to learn that system very well. <laughs> And so in Nathan's accounting department, he had several bosses as well as people below him. So he was kind of a middle management guy. And within his division, there were employees who could request checks, and this included Nathan. Nathan and a coworker were also able to approve checks. So they could request them and approve them? Yes. Okay. So your ears starting to perk up. (laughs) (laughs) And so additionally, because his department was smaller... And someone being out of the office, you know, for PTO or sick, um, an unexpected absence could disrupt the check processing process. The employees all knew each other's passwords so that they didn't have to wait for someone to come back to get a check processed. And so during his presentation, he mentioned that the employees would log in as each other all the time. Like it just was common to practice. know what year this was. This was like 2003 years. Okay. Yep. Okay. And that's nuts. They all yes. log in under each other's names, passwords. Yep. Just very common practice. Okay. And so in the article, Nathan says, this is a direct quote from the Journal of Accountancy article. One morning while sitting at my desk, I realized that I could log in as someone else, request a check, and then log in as myself and approve my own request. I went to work every day for the next year, tempted by the pot of gold that was there for the taking. Oh my gosh. A whole year he thought about this. Yes. So, so this must have been 2002-ish because now we're in 2003. Okay. And the temptation of paying off his family's debt just came too much. His wife was pregnant. Oh, no. And Nathan thought, if I just wipe out our debt, we can start fresh, and then my salary will be able to cover our living expenses. Yep. And so on a Monday afternoon, Nathan logged in as his co-worker and created a check for $1,100 to be paid to a company called Universal. And he had picked Universal because that was the name of a company that they already worked with quite a bit, so everyone was used to seeing checks with Universal in their name. And so after the check was approved, Nathan mailed the check with his credit card statement to his credit card company. This just must have been how you paid your credit card back in the day. Like I, yeah, I'm trying to think. Doesn't sound familiar to me, but 
Anyway, and so he mailed in a copy of the check with his credit card statement to the credit card company, and they applied that check to his outstanding credit card debt without issue. No questions asked. Nope. And so during his presentation at UNO, Nathan talked about how nervous he was, like that very first night. Oh, after I was going to say, yeah, like how could you live? Like yes. every, where you turn or every time you go to work, people look at you funny or they're yes. secrets for the coffee. You'll think, oh, they know. Yes, they know. absolutely. And so he talked about it. He, he said he was just so nervous. Every, oh, every little thing, he exactly what you said, life, thought yeah. everyone knows what, what I did. And so after two weeks without anything happening, he tried it again. Again? Yes. Come on. And so this time the check was for $1,800 to Universal and continued to go through. So this is his credit card again? So he was, you know, having the checks be made out to a company called Universal. Mm -hmm. And then he was able, able to obtain the physical copy of the check and mail it with his credit card statement to the credit card company. So that was how this round, if you will, of okay. fraud was happening. Okay. Was, he was just paying off credit card debt. Gotcha. So and he'd so, rack up the bills and then he'd pay it off with these checks. Yes. Gotcha. And so he continued to do that during the summer of 2003 until he paid off $88,000 oh of credit my card debt. <sighs> yes. <sighs> and so he had a little scare near the end of paying off that credit card liability. Nathan discovered that one of the checks that he had sent to the credit card company hadn't been applied on the balance. Uh -oh. And so this caused Nathan to lose confidence in his scheme, and he began to worry that he would get caught because he didn't know what happened to that check. Where did it go? So he said, similar to what we were just talking about, every phone call, every email, oh. he was waiting for someone to say, we've got the check, we know what yeah, you did. Right, right. Then in August, all of a sudden he shows up at work one day and the check is on his desk. What? And so what had happened oh, is- he had forgotten to include the credit card number on the check when he was mailing it to the credit card Simple company. Mistake. Yep. So the credit card company had not been able to apply the payment and they sent it back to his company. Right. And when the check was mailed back to ING, the person who opened the mail didn't know what to do with it. So they gave it back to him, oh. the check requester. And so that is so insanely lucky. Had that check been given to anybody anyone else, else this whole thing would have blown up, but because it landed back on his. So do you think he went desk. back to the person that opened the mail? And was like, who did you, who did you give this to? You know, just because <laughs> no. he's like so scared. I feel like uh. I think he just probably like kept to himself and kept his head down. And in fact, that's kind of where it's headed. Is he he was really scared by this whole thing mm -hmm. happening, and he knew how lucky he was that it had worked out the way that it did for so long. Yes, and so. He laid low. He laid low for like four or five months, you know, didn't didn't have any plans to mm -hmm. do anything. But then by winter of 2003, 2004, he started to feel less scared, remembering how easy it was to make all of those payments mm -hmm. over the summer. And so learning his lesson from the summer, he decided to do it differently. His next fraud. No. Oh, we have another. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. This is this is the biggie. So Nathan now decided to create a separate legal entity called Ace Business Consulting. And similar to how he had perpetrated the fraud in the summer, Ace was the name of a company that they already transacted a lot of business 
with. So he used okay. a similar name. So no one again. just thought anything different when they yep, see Ace. Every okay, time, yep. yes. Oh, must just be that same company yeah. we're already working with. Mm-hmm. And so this was a legal entity. He set up its own bank account. It had its own tax ID. You know, it was pretty legit. Yep. So then what he would do is he would log in as one of his direct reports. So someone underneath him. Because everyone knew their same password still right. at this time. Okay. Yep. And he would request a check for Ace Business Consulting, his company. Mm-hmm. Then he would log in as himself and approve and it. approve it. And so the first check that he he did that scheme for was for twenty seven thousand oh, dollars. Wow, these are big bucks now. Yeah, so he was upping the ante okay. here. And continuing this tactic, he told the Journal of Accountancy that. His first year in 2004, he took a million dollars. Then in 2005, he took $2 million. In 2006, he took $4 million. And in 2007, he took $1 million. Oh my. Yeah. I can't. So it escalated quickly. Yes. And in terms of journal entries and how he recorded this, in the accounting records is, you know, ING is a, a big company, obviously, with a lot going on. And so what he did was he picked accounts where there was a lot of activity being recorded all of the time, a lot of transactions, and he would bury his his checks in there. And then he would also, he was solely responsible for recording their Canadian investment income. And when you do foreign um, transactions and there's the exchange rate, there's always going to be a difference that has to get recognized. And so he would bury his checks in there as well. So he kind of relied on the fact that their financial activity was complicated and that there was just a lot of activity. That's just normal for them. Right. And there's probably not somebody else in there reviewing every single line Mm -hmm. item. You know, they're just trusting the reconciliations that he is doing or the journal entries that he is recording. Yeah. And so that that's what he did. And that is what he did for those four years. And so then you have to think like, okay, his wife and his friends Oh, because he probably the one that knows. He probably didn't tell anybody. Right. Like, where? how are you getting so wealthy? Where is this money coming right. from? He's and, really well in the yeah, coming world. Yeah. And so to avoid suspicion from his wife or his friends, he first told them he was doing accounting work on the side. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, That's as we went money. through the years, like yeah. more and more money was coming in the door. And so then... When he decided to start spending the money on more extravagant items, he convinced everyone that he was a very successful gambler. And so he said he was just, you know, hitting it big in Vegas, and that's where all these large dollar amounts were coming from. And so as you can imagine, this took a very serious toll on his life because he didn't even reveal to his wife or close friends that this was going on. and. So, you know, trying to keep up the lies and knowing it would come crashing down at some point, he ended up getting divorced. Oh. Yes. And and he didn't, and part of it was because he didn't want his wife to be implicated in all of this. And I'm sure she had her own reasons, you know. Um, But he he had gotten to a point where he felt like, I'm going to either have to tell her and she's going to know and be complicit in this whole thing. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, this would start the downfall of Nathan and so in mid-2007, when they were just, uh, his company was con- conducting normal internal reviews, the review revealed that the check re- approval process needed to be revised. 
And oh yeah, yes, for sure. <laughs> I think that's the understatement yeah. of the century. Oh lord. And so Nathan and his coworker and his boss all agreed, yes, we shouldn't have the ability to approve checks. It wasn't because of any red flag or anything like that. It was just kind of this review where they thought, like we've talked about in the podcast before, how can we strengthen internal controls mm-hmm. and make our system better? And so that's what they were doing. And they all recognized like, yeah, it'd probably be good to separate some of these functions. So, so that happened and that right there was going to really eliminate End everything for yeah, him. Nathan's ability to continue paying himself. And so, um, over the course of working at ING, Nathan had become good friends with one of his coworkers and they would socialize with their spouses outside of work. It was a woman who, mm-hmm. who was good friends with. And, and so her and her husband and Nathan and his wife, they had just really become good friends and would, would hang out and had a meaningful relationship. And so after Nathan and his wife got divorced, the coworker was still in touch with his ex-wife because they were friends. Okay. And so they went to lunch one day and Nathan's ex-wife was, was talking about Nathan and she said, I just still don't believe that he won all that money gambling. It's just, oh, does not man. make sense to me. And so this really struck a chord with the coworker. She thought, you know, huh, his own wife doesn't think that that's how he earned the money. Yeah. Something's up here. So shortly thereafter, she went back to work and and then a couple days after that ran a report to see all of the checks that her access had approved in 2007. Oh. And curiosity. on that report were 10 checks to Ace totaling a million dollars that it looked like she had approved. Yeah. And oh. so then that of that same week that Friday afternoon Nathan's boss Called him in for a meeting. It's going down. Yes. And he asked for the invoices for the Ace Business Consulting Company. And Nathan said, you know, some of our staff are out today. Let's just pick this back up on Monday and we'll get it all sorted out. (sighs) So then they have the meeting that following Monday and it doesn't go well. And the article says that Nathan literally ran out of the office. Oh my goodness. Yes. So... It's starting to catch up with yeah. him and he is feeling the pressure. And so then the next day, Tuesday, two fraud investigators from the company show up at his house. Oh, no. And they mention Ace. And at that point, Nathan ended the conversation and said he needed to consult with an attorney. Oh, busted. Yes. <laughs> so to summarize everything that had happened here is Nathan was able to take $8.5 million in four years. Goodness. He used the money to pay for cars, watches, trips. He was sentenced to 97 months in prison after pleading guilty and was actually released in September 2014. And so now he, So he's a convicted felon. He is. Yep. yep. And so now he does a lot of consulting and speaking about- About this. Fraud. Yeah. And, you know, there are some good takeaways that we'll talk about here Mm -hmm. in a minute, but- you know, like I said at the beginning of this episode, just he looked like a normal guy. He sounded like a normal guy. He seemed like a very normal guy, a very it could, nice guy. It could guy. be anybody. Yeah, exactly. It could mm-hmm. be anybody. And he was, unfortunately, just kind of ripe 
for it because of his circumstances, yeah. you know, the debt and how he had and read. so easy. Yes, yes. And he had, yes, it was just kind of a perfect storm of circumstances. And I think we've said that before in yeah. other episodes, other F word episodes is everything just kind of came together perfectly to allow for this to happen. Him. And then for, <laughs> yes, and then for it to allow, for it to be able to occur for four years That's without nuts. anyone picking right. up on it um, is crazy. And so there's a lot to unpack and there's a lot more. I recommend going out and reading the Journal of Accountancy article okay. if people want more details. I kind of skimmed over some of the yeah. gritty accounting details. There's a lot more information out there if people want mm-hmm. it, but just at the high level, that is what happened. And so we talked about it a little bit as we worked our way through the story. There's some clear indicators that yeah, like- something, you know, was going on that, people on the outside could have picked up on right. possibly to prevent this from occurring for as long as it did. And, uh, you know, ING of course is a very large company, but what happened here and how it was able to occur can also occur in a small business. And so that's why I think it's important to kind of go through a few. I think it'd have it easier in small businesses because exactly. they don't have all the, like the compliance dual control because there's less people. And exactly. If Much you're the only more. one handling everything, you can just yes. kind of do this on your own. Yeah. I think about the sharing passwords thing. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. You know, how many businesses it, it is just The owners out of town place. And, and the workers, you know, in town trying to get business done for the day as, the, you know, the owners out enjoying themselves on vacation. Like, oh, just give me the password real quick. I'll get this done for you. You enjoy your time. Don't even worry about exactly. it. Exactly. Boom. It's yes. starting to happen. Exactly. So that was my first point to share was the sharing passwords <laughs> no, is no. not a good idea. And even at our company, yeah. they are really going through right now to make sure that Anything that even seems like an innocent just login that's being shared yeah. is, you know, not not really utilized anymore. And now there's password um, programs to, like, help you remember all the exactly. 57,000 passwords you yes. have and all the, you know, every two weeks, your week or whatever, you have to change them or a new login Exactly. And you can even, to that point, you can even restrict in there, you know, um, if you need to share a password with someone mm-hmm. in some of these password programs, you can restrict it where... They can't actually see what the password is, oh, but they can just click a button and the password will just be typed in there. Okay. Um, so lots of options there, but really going back to kind of the this point in its most simplest form is sharing passwords is not a good idea and mm-hmm. making sure people have their own independent logins. That's just a, a way to have checks and balances on your bank accounts and loan accounts and investment accounts and uh, the accounting system and things like that is is to make sure, because that's the other thing it goes back to where the coworker ran the report of the checks she approved. Um, if you're going to trace the history of what happened and who did what, you need to make sure people are logging in in their own account to see that kind of timestamp there. Sure. So, yes. So the second thing is no one raised concerns about his extravagant lifestyle. You know, all of a sudden he has you know what it escalated so quickly one million the first year two million the next year four million then you know all of a sudden this intense amount of cash flow and his co-workers aren't thinking like you know wait how he showed up in another new car yeah today you know um i think there just probably would have been some red flags there for the people that saw him day in and Mm -hmm. day out that might have made them question you know, how he's His living style too. doing this. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he came up with the gambling excuse eventually, but yeah. still, you know, 
I, I think most gamblers are not successful oh, right. and you know, I don't know. I just, I think a little bit more scrutiny there might have made this not, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go on for as long as it did. So then another item being one employee was allowed to authorize payment and perform the record keeping. So it goes back to what we've talked about with Justin and, mm-hmm. and on some of these F word episodes is separating some of these functions whenever possible. You know, if you have at least two people involved in the accounting process, separating who is authorizing payment and who is recording that payment in the accounting system is a good place to exercise some, you know, segregation. Is that dual control? Yeah, yep, yep, exactly. And then reconciliation of accounts and, so like we talked about, he hid all of his activity and all of these accounts that just were having a lot of activity and no one was coming in after him to check his work. And so I think about some of our clients with the bank reconciliation and you may have your AP person doing the bank reconciliation, but are, are you as the CFO or are you as the accounting manager, are you looking over that reconciliation just to see if anything sticks out? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that could have potentially nipped some of this in the bud. So again, um, reviewing journal entries and reconciliations is is a very good practice. Access to physical checks should be limited. And I didn't talk too much about Mm -hmm. it in, in the recap here, but the fact that he was able to request a check, approve the check, and there was no restriction on who could go get the physical check, mm-hmm. allowed him to go intercept those checks before anybody else saw them. And for for our clients, for our, for our companies that we work with, it's very important to keep checks locked up and not accessible to people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's nowadays it's very easy unfortunately to forge signatures or or do different things and so making sure that there's physical safeguards on the checks themselves is important yep and then lastly just based on this story and ultimately how it ended up getting caught was running routine queries you know it sounded like that co-worker who ended up running the report you know and finding the 10 checks for a million dollars that was probably the first time she had run that report and I don't know, had she, had they built that in, you know, each quarter, we're going to just run these reports. I feel like seeing these large deposits kind of would have raised a red flag, especially like you're not supposed to use business accounts for vacations and cars and what, Mm -hmm. maybe you are, you can for cars and whatnot, but you'd think somewhere when he does his taxes, unless I guess he did his own taxes, but somewhere it would have gotten caught. Yes. Yeah. And so that's, that's where it goes back to if you, even if you don't necessarily have an accounting background or degree. I think about our nonprofits. If you're an executive director or you're an owner of a business and you're trusting someone, sometimes, you know, in our small business clients, there is only one person that's involved in all of the accounting and you as a business owner are trusting them. Mm-hmm. Just running reports out of the accounting software to just see if anything stands out. I think that could have potentially helped Shine some light on Yeah, some exactly, exactly. Detect some, that something was off. And so that is that is something I would recommend for those that maybe don't have the accounting background, but as a business owner, they want to strengthen the accounting for their business. Right. And um, scanning it, Do, are there vendors on there that you don't recognize? Or, um, empl- you know, sometimes uh, 
fraud can be perpetrated by creating fake employees, for making sure you're reviewing that employee listing and the paychecks that are being cut very thoroughly. Thinking outside of the box sometimes on how to just check in and make sure there's nothing out of of the normal um, that you weren't expecting to see, I think can... And I think it's hard for some, you know, if you are a small business or a business owner and you're new at all this, it's hard to even think of any of these things that you're saying to look for, you know. So even just reaching out to, a, you know, an accountant and just asking these simple questions can give you a simple answer and maybe they can even help you dive in deeper. So Exactly. Yeah. No, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. I mean, just creating a list of a few things you're going to do every six months mm-hmm. or every three months is, is so much better than nothing. You know, that right. is and where, hoping. <laughs> yeah, we, you know, in some of our other episodes, we've talked about small businesses that have been subject, subjected to years and years of, of fraud mm-hmm. and, you know, had someone just on one check once, maybe yeah. the fraud would have only went on for one year as opposed to 10 yeah. years or yeah. something like that. Absolutely. Um, so Ashley makes a great point about reaching out and talking to your accountant or CPA if this is something that, um, you, you know, is on your mind and mm-hmm. you want to find a Trust way to make your financial stronger and eliminate some of the risk you might be subject to if, if you do only have a few people that are handling all of the accounting. So, right. Well, is that anything else, Kaylee, about that's right. We just want everyone to go out there and check it out for themselves. Is there yes. a movie on it or just? Not yet. <laughs> okay. Not yet. Although maybe I should direct uh, there it. There we Remember, go. One of our other F word ones was the CPA produced and directed uh-huh. movie. So maybe this one is, is there for the taking. So stay tuned, everyone. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we hope you, um, you know, took away some key points from this and found this episode informative. As the older sister of five, I'm trained to kind of just be a little apprehensive about things. So Hopefully this episode demonstrated um, all that the business owners should take into, you know, practice and mm-hmm. into mind, um, helping them maybe investigate a little bit more and always trust your gut, I suppose. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. So we just want to thank everyone for choosing us out of all of the podcast choices you have. We know there are a ton out there and, you know, as we say all the time, we just want to empower you to feel more confident when it comes to your business and maybe spark an idea or give you a thought that spurs you to think of other things that can hopefully help improve your business in in some way. So if you enjoyed the podcast today, please visit our website, www.blandcpa.com and leave us a comment. If you could also rate and review the podcast on whichever app you use to access the podcast, we would sincerely appreciate it. So friends, with that, be informed, be inspired, and be awesome. Bye, Bye. guys. A Huda Media Production.